Host. TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, TalkZone.com. It's two guys and a mic. Our number two, a rare moment in time. Michael, usually they limit us to uh, one hour, and after listening to our programming and replaying some of the shows, you can't blame management for limiting us to one hour. It must be me that they gave you the extra hour. Apparently so. <laughs> Apparently so, but I can't blame them uh, for limiting us to one hour. But on Thursdays, we get two indeed, so we'll take advantage of it. Mike Moreau sitting in for the big dog there. We are expecting uh, David Olson to hear. From co-host extraordinaire, Joe Radwanski? Maybe, maybe not? At this point, I'd say maybe not. I was expecting to hear from him about 45 minutes ago. So We love the big deal. Our normal co-host, but predictability is not among his top ten strengths. No, it is not. (laughs) So we'll take what we can get. Double M, Michael Moreau, the uh, young and the restless one out of North Shore Country Day High School and the University of Missouri. Sitting in today, triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Hour number one, baseball intensive. Mike, let us uh, turn our attention to uh, some playoffs going on, huh? Let's do it. You want to go hockey or basketball? Let's go basketball first. There you Let's, go. You know the Hawks were Hawks were off last night. And mm-hmm. There was a big basketball game. All right, Lakers uh, knock off Phoenix two to zero. I watched about two and a half minutes of that particular game. Paul Gasol had a big game, twenty nine points. Uh, did you watch? I did, I did watch, but you know, honestly, I can say you really didn't miss much. If you watched the fourth quarter, you that would have been a good game. But mm-hmm. the Lakers have pretty much been dominating the the Suns. Right. The Lakers right. are just a bigger team in general. Little bit I was watching. It was like mid third quarter or even late third quarter, and at that point, the Phoenix Suns were still giving the Lakers a little bit of a run. I think uh, Richardson had gotten hot, and Grant Hill, Grandpa Grant Hill, can still play a little bit, huh? He he can, and I'm I'm happy to see Grant Hill play well. He went through a lot, yeah. a lot of struggles, but you know, slowly come back. And and with Phoenix, he's played a lot better the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and he's accepted a lesser role. But yesterday, he he was hot and played real well. It's too bad that they just couldn't use his performance, and the rest mm-hmm. of the team did not play up to par. All right, talk a little NBA basketball here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Hour number two, phone lines open, 888-463-6748. Longtime basketball expert Mike Moreau joining us here in the uh, studio. I haven't watched much of the series. From what I'm hearing you say is it's the size and strength up front because I know Phoenix are very athletic and they can score points, but it's just the big fellas wearing them down. Has that pretty much been the story? From watching these two games, that's what it seems to be because the first game, the Lakers won by 30 or 40 points. I don't know, a huge margin, but the Lakers in general are big. You know, Lamar Odom coming off the bench at 6'7 and 6'8. Game one, he had 19 points, 19 rebounds. Right. Big game, and you got Andrew Andrew Bynum at seven foot, Paul Gasol at seven foot, Ron Artest is six seven. This is this is a big team in general, and if you don't have the size to match up with them, 
Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. And I believe Channing Fry. I don't know how big he he is, but I believe he's the. Well, Channing, Channing Fry is like six feet ten. The problem is he weighs about 112 pounds. Right, and now he's become a three point shooter, yeah. so he's not an inside guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which Lopez that they the the Suns have. If it's Brook or Robin, but Robin would be the one. Brook is near All Star playing a bit. They had Brook. Brook definitely a little more talented than Robin. Of the famous Flying Lopez brothers, but it's Robin who plays for Phoenix. Right, and so none of those guys can guard anybody. And Gasol had a great game last night. Kobe said, you know, he was excited with Gasol last night because he seemed to be making all the right reads. And Kobe Bryant, 21 points, but he also had 11 or 12 assists. Mm-hmm. So he's been he played really well. He didn't force anything last night like the young Kobe of old might have. Game one, I think he had 40 points. He was spectacular. Did it only in like 23, 24 shots. Plays a little more of a complimentary role. The Lakers do have so many weapons. I still think Phoenix, though, uh, excellent, excellent team. I predicted them to be in the championship. I thought normally when I make predictions, Mike, 9 out of 10 of them are not true. But at the start of this playoff series, I said, watch out for the Celtics. And over in the West, the Phoenix Suns. And um, Phoenix has risen through the ashes, but maybe... They've reached their uh, point of no return. What changed about Phoenix in the second half of the year, is, which is not typical for a Phoenix team, is that they started playing defense. And when you're scoring 110, 115 points, but you give up 130, you're not going to win games. But now they were scoring 110 and giving up you know, maybe 100 or 90. So they were winning games, mm-hmm. which allowed them to get so far because you know, they shut down the Spurs. But that you know that was closer series than people would you know would like to think, and then they pretty much dominated the Mavericks. But now they've come up against an opponent, like I said, that just basically wearing them down because they're that much bigger and stronger. Zen Master Phil Jackson still running the store show for the uh, Lakers. You got Alvin Gentry, right? I believe then right. the uh, other side for the Phoenix Suns trying to cohort the Suns into. Playing some defense, Lakers up 2-0, so we'll see how that unfolds. On the other side of it, though, they didn't play last night, I think, no. that they're back in action tonight. But the Boston Celtics shocking a lot of people, Mike. Uh, everybody said too old. They look like a beaten team, quite frankly, last month of the season. But we have found out there's still talent there. they got the three veterans and then the young superstar, Rajon Rondo, and they're clicking on all cylinders right now. I honestly have to say I'm I'm shocked by it, too. Because, because honestly, after the All-Star break, they did not play very well. Nope. And they can say all they want about critics, you know, criticizing them, but there's no reason to think that team was going to be even this far or compete with Orlando. But the thing is, they're shutting Orlando down, so now you have to give them credit because they're playing well. You think, um, Intentional or unintentional that they were resting and laying low during the season? You think that maybe is overrated and they're just re-energized now in the playoffs? Or do you think a lot of those guys were just, let's win as many as we need to to get in and let's see if we got one more run in our legs, i.e. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen and company, Kevin Garnett? You couldn't disagree with that because with the way they played, you could easily say that because they're not a bad team. As you can see right now, they're gone. You know, they're making the run. So you could say that they did save up their legs a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, KG definitely sat out a lot of games towards the end of the year. So you could could easily point to the fact that they are saving their legs. 
Yeah, well, you said, you know, saving their legs. The other part of it is it could just be they're a really talented team. I mean, if you get over the age factor and if these guys can play with a little bit of the fountain of youth, forget about everything else, talent. Right? You still got Ray Allen who can shoot the lights out, comes off the screen better than anybody else. Kevin Garnett who can still defend with the best of them and rebound. Right? You got Paul Pierce who's still, he's kind of changed his style a little bit, but still a dynamite score. Rajon Rondo gets better and better. Their bench may be as good as anybody in the uh, NBA. You got Big Baby coming off. Tony well, Allen, Tony pretty Allen good guard. He's and, had a uh, great playoff. Tony yeah. Allen, yeah. And I'm missing one other big guy. Come on. And Rashid Wallace, as annoying as he is. He is a factor coming off the bench. So the Celtics, I don't care if they're 20 or 40, there's talent there and maybe talent to go all the way. I would have to agree. And I think the key to that more than people would think is Rajon Rondo. He's had an amazing playoff. You can't say anything bad about the way he has played this year. Assist-wise, and now he's making shots. If, if he continues to make shots, you know, Orlando's done for. And it would be a very good Celtics Lakers series if if they got to that point. It's interesting you uh, say that, and of course, so for old fashioned NBA fan, that's just just mentioning Celtics Lakers bring back great memories from uh, my day, the old rivalry of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics. But uh, about a week ago, Mike, everybody was saying, "Well, it's going to be imminent. Yeah, it's going to be the Lakers." But it was the Orlando Magic that had won eight playoff games in a row. They were on a roll, everybody hitting their shots, the outside guy, Dwight Howard, dominating in the middle. So everybody thought it was pretty clear it was going to be Orlando and the Lakers. And now one week later, things have changed a little bit, at least in the East. Yeah, it seems as if the Celtics have found a way to shut down the Magic's three-point shooting ability. The Magic really, like I heard someone say the other day, they don't have a lot of guys that can go one-on-one. And really, they're just a team that's Dwight Howard and then four guys that stand around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it was. Dwight Howard would, you know, they pass it in Dwight Howard, teams would collapse, and he'd pass it out, and they'd hit a three. And then when the Magic are hitting their threes, they're as good as any team in the NBA, and they're going to be hard to beat. But the Celtics, what they seem to be doing is they're staying with the shooters and forcing Dwight Howard to. Mm-hmm make offensive moves, which he's still learning. Better. He's better. Better, but he's still not super skilled. No. So, I mean, mm-hmm. once Dwight Howard gets to a point where yeah. he can, you know, he has one-on-one moves, the Magic are going to be a good team because teams will have to double yeah. down. But Good strategy by the Doc, Glenn Doc Rivers, uh, make the other guys, make Dwight Howard beat us, not the other guys. And he's pretty much, and I haven't seen a ton of this series, but Kendrick Perkins. Rashid Wallace off the bench are pretty much playing them one-on-one straight up. Yeah, two different big bodies, so they, yep. they've got them covered well. Plus Vince Carter is Vince Carter, you know, typical. He's a super – can't call him a superstar, or I guess you could call him a mediocre superstar. <laughs> a guy a guy who was great, but due to laziness, I guess, mm-hmm. never got to where most fans thought he would get to. Talk about the backhanded compliment, the mediocre superstar. Probably an accurate description of Vince Carter. At times, he can, he does have the wow factor. I mean, he will amaze you at times, but he has not consistently proven to be that game in and game out player at that next level. Never quite got there. No, and he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to lead anybody mm-hmm. anywhere. And if you rely, if you're relying on Vince Carter to help you win big games, you're in trouble.
All right. NBA playoffs continue to move on. We'll talk about it here uh, each and every day, certainly on the TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic show. I think the playoffs will finish up about, are they done by Labor Day or uh, right about in time for school to start, I think, in I September? Know, maybe by the New Year. Right, right in time for the preseason to start for next ah, NBA season. Is that what it is? Okay. It seems like that, doesn't it? I can hardly wait for that New York Knicks-Indiana Pacer exhibition game. <laughs> On TNT, Charles Barkley bringing it to you. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Mike Moreau and the coach with you right up until uh, 12 o'clock today. Almost said 11 o'clock. That's our normal time. We are going to noon today. David Olson, let me ask you real quick. On the TV front, I know we are down to the final two. We talk about the... NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs. American Idol, we're down to the final two. Dancing with Stars, down to the final three. And with uh, your favorite show, Lost, we're down to the final one. One show left. Right, right. But they're going out with a bang with like six hours of programming. Uh, <laughs> so. Let me ask you this. Out of the six, and you watch Lost, Mike? I do not. I I, I didn't like the premise at the beginning, mm-hmm. so it's a show I never got into. But, yeah, you uh, wouldn't like the premise at the end either then, yeah. <laughs> so, because they yeah. kind of changed the premise as they went along. Actually, I liked the premise in the beginning. I'm enjoying the premise at the mm-hmm. end. It's the middle five and a half years, which started to bother me. That makes any sense whatsoever. No, they, but, uh, last uh, This Tuesday night's episode was outstanding. I heard that. It was outstanding. Don't tell me. I got it on tape. I may have to. We're planning a lost party. Somewhere. You had a party going Sunday yeah, night, Yeah, right? we've got a party going on. Yeah. People coming over or just the family? Uh, family and people coming over. Right. So. What uh, What is the party What party favors are you serving? What unique are you going to do for the we're, lost We're closing? still deciding on that. We're okay. still deciding on that. Nothing Maybe, you know what you could do is for the law, you send out invitations to people, but you give them the wrong address. <laughs> so everybody gets lost on the way to the lost party. Interesting idea. Hey, you told me 22-22 Ackleberry. Yeah, it took me an hour and a half to find. Yeah, you got lost. Welcome to the party. Mm-hmm. I don't know what party favors you would serve. Maybe some of our listeners have uh, some examples there. 888-463-6748. You could do a treasure hunt. Believe me, you got plenty of time. Plenty of time because Mike, I've watched the show. One of the most annoying things about it. There is no show that has longer, first of all, more uh, numerous and then the length of them, longer commercial breaks than the show lost. I mean, if you tape it, you can watch it like in 18 minutes. Show it's unbelievable. Ma- the show makes the big bucks, so the network's got to sell, yeah. sell ad space. Yeah. And, so and then that's they can, they they can put in promos for their next five TV shows they're going to try to sell us. Uh, yeah, at times, it's a great show. It can be very confusing, too. Dancing with the Stars, we're down to the final three. Football star Chad Ochocinco got eliminated. Yeah, I was disappointed to see that. I was actually hoping he'd uh, he'd win it all, and so I, I'm sure a lot of people were surprised by to see him there at the end. But mm-hmm. I thought he would at least make the final three. I've been watching Dancing with the Stars so much. I'm getting so ingrained in it. I woke up, uh, had a bad dream last night. Mike woke up at two o'clock in the morning, looked over at my wife, and she looked just a little bit at that time like Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't Aaron Andrews. Yeah, I gotta I'd, I gotta work on my dreams. Definitely go Aaron over Chad any day. Well, I would. I can't control my dreams, you know. <laughs> Next, if you can figure out a way to control the dreams, then let me know. But uh, actually, I haven't watched a minute of Dancing with the Stars. I don't want the fans to get the wrong idea here. At American Idol, you don't watch that particular program. No, I've I've never gotten into it. I've never never been a fan of anyone on the show. So mm-hmm. down to the final two, uh, David. It is down to the final two. Uh, <laughs> Displaying zone, lead to wise, and uh, Mount Prospect. Mount Prospect? Yeah, that's right, Mount Prospect. And then uh, Crystal Bowersox. I'm so. a fan. Okay. I'm a fan. She's got that everyday 
kind of innocent girl, country girl look that uh, I would go for. Crystal I, Bauer, great voice, by the way. Awesome voice. Both of them. Very yeah, good. I, I, I said this six weeks ago, Lita Wise is going to win. Yep. So, yeah, you called that. Yeah. You called it. Your I theory almost, is they don't pick a female to win. No, it's it, it's not that. He's more he's more marketable. Okay. In my opinion. And it always seems to go that way. Mm-hmm. Why know? is why is my uh, favorite girl, Crystal Bauer, sex not marketable? Uh, she's a little too coffee house. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. I like coffee house. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, she'll play good on adult contemporary radio, but, mm-hmm. uh, can you, I, I you can't see her breaking through on top 40. Okay. I mean, maybe an initial single, but no, you mm-hmm. know, not that I'm saying, I mean, I think, you know, if you go talent to talent, why she's, she's more talented than mm-hmm. he is, but that doesn't really matter. He's Media. more marketable. Media critic David Olson, yeah. our uh, producer, joining us on the yeah. show, Triple Eight. Yes, sir. I, I was going to say, I almost blew off work last Friday to go to the Lee DeWise festivities. Just cause really? I, well, I live right down the street from okay. Prospect. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, they had like a parade for the guy. Uh, yeah, but I guess it only went for like two blocks down Northwest Highway. <laughs> Ser- seriously. <laughs> it was like two or three blocks. That's it. Okay. That's it. You got all these people out there for the press. That's it, folks. Go home. What was amazing? What do we do now? The lost show is not for a couple of weeks. What was amazing because they showed it. They had like they had like something like close to fifty thousand people at Arlington Park for a concert for him. Wow. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And I know, Mike. I know you're not a fan of uh, American Idol. I don't watch it either. I've started to watch the YouTube clips of Crystal Bowersox just because I got a thing for Crystal Bowersox. But as a sports fan, you do love. Some of the stories of underrated underdog guys or, or teams or players that achieve greatness. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's part of the – this guy, Lee DeWise, is, is an example of that just on human nature alone. You would love the story. This guy was just he, – he is everyday man about as much as you could possibly be. He is the normal, average guy who happens to have a pretty good voice. And when he came on the show, he was pretty good, but he was very quiet, very reserved. And he's picked up his confidence a little bit as the week's going on. But I mean, here's a guy who was playing, you know, coffee houses and little minor birthday parties and stuff. And all of a sudden, less than a year later, they got a freaking parade for him in his hometown. He's the final two of American Idol, and he's going to become a big star. So underdog stories like that, we love them in sports, and it's kind of cool in showbiz also. You do. You kind of root for those people, especially when they're good people. Yep. You want them to succeed. Which he appears to be. Right. So you want them to succeed. So I've never seen the show. I've never heard him sing, but mm-hmm. he's a Chicago Chicagoan, and I'd love to see him win it. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day we'll be uh, talking about you, one of those underdog surprise stories. I would love that. Because right. my career is heading to the tail end. I need uh, someone to hang my head on, and Mike Moreau, you might. Just be there. I don't want to put pressure in, but uh, if you could achieve some greatness in this business, me and Joe would both be thankful for it. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> you would acknowledge us a little bit when you become famous. Remember back to your roots. I would hope. I, I would have to. This is this would be where I got my start. Okay. These shows are archived, right, Dan? Absolutely. Okay. So if Mike does become, you know, we can always go back to these beginning days when a Mike Moreau. Uh, Cut his teeth, so to speak. Right, right. And we can play this at the deposition when you sue him for your cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 3%. Nothing nothing more than that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Anything more on the NBA? Oh, uh, we should mention, before we leave the NBA, you see the Chicago Bulls? Yes. We're rumored to be interviewing? I did not see, I did the, not see it lately. The most recent one, apparently Kelvin Sampson. 
Kelvin Sampson? Kelvin Sampson, the disgraced ex-coach of the Indiana Hoosier, who came from where? Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Via Washington. I think he made his trip around the country. Not particularly fond of following NCAA regulations. Got banned from all. college basketball and assistant coach in Milwaukee. Apparently the Bulls are going to interview Kelvin Sampson. I, I don't see it. I don't see why. If they hired Kelvin Sampson, why would any free agent come here? That's as, as simple as it is. Maybe because Kelvin will fix their college transcripts? <laughs> I don't think that will do any well, good right any, now. Any of the um, guys that have been mentioned, I know you're a big Bulls fan. Any of them a particular favorite of a, a double M, Mike Murrow? I like Avery Johnson and Byron Scott. Those are two guys that I would like to see coaching. I like Johnson's defensive guy, you know, strict, but, you know, also gives the guys some freedom, I believe. And, you know, if they had, you know, they have Derrick Rose, let's say they got a LeBron, two guys, you know, in the back, two guys offensively, Avery Johnson doesn't even have to do much, but, mm-hmm. just, you know, teach some defense. And if the team got defensively well, they'd be instant contenders in the East. Both of them have championship pedigree, Byron Scott as well. I think both of them be good choices, too. Right. I think those are my two favorites, but we'll see what the Bulls want to do. Mm-hmm. All right. I do have a theory. It's the uh, Oliver Purnell, Vinny Del Negro theory, and that is that all the names that we're seeing in the paper, all the quote-unquote inside rumors, forget about it. It'll be someone completely opposite from what we've heard, someone totally expect- unexpected. And I use those two examples because when Vinny Del Negro was named coach of the Bulls, no rumors about that, right? That I came don't, out I don't of, believe I heard anything. No, that was out of the distant blue. And DePaul, all the college pundits out there, thinking about this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. Who's going to become the new head coach of DePaul? None of the skeptics, none of the media, quote-unquote, experts had a clue. They went and picked Oliver Purnell from Clemson. Nobody even knew they were looking at him. So I think the Bulls are going to, I call it my Del Negro, Purnell theory. Well, going along that theory, then the guy could be Tom Thibodeau. The assistant coach in Boston. Not a bad choice. Who was a guy they, I believe, they were believed to have been looking at yep. when they hired Del Negro, but they can't talk to him now because Celtics know, keep winning. Right. Stresses defense and they like D. So, this, I guess, if you want to go that route, that would be one of the top mm-hmm. candidates. Right, we'll take a quick break here on the TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Phone lines are open, folks. We are user friendly here. Dial it up. We'll get you right on. Twelve lines open. If you want to squeeze in, back in a minute.
The lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. And we do welcome you back. Two Guys and a Mic. TalkZone.com. Mike Moreau and the coach with you up until 12 o'clock. Gorgeous day here in the fine city of Chicago. i got a big Pony League game to coach today. Michael, 5-30 game. I'm in my final year of baseball coaching after a story. 20-year career. I might be hanging up the spikes. Any interest in coaching next year? We'll see what my schedule is. All right. Because my son is on his final year. He heads to high school. This is it. Unless I decide to really go crazy and like coach like some travel team. Or coach a team that doesn't have my kid on it. This could be my final year of uh, giving the signals, you know. I love giving the fakes, you know. First of all, the kids. You give all the signals, and they have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. And stealing is pretty much automatic. And I mean, I might as well have, like, a sign over at third base, you know. Steal! <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember in my younger years, I learned the concept of take the pitch. To a hint, any of those... uh New dads out there that are coaching a baseball team for the first time or girls softball team, when you say take the pitch, well, to a young age eight or nine-year-old player, it's a 3-0 and count and you go screaming and hollering because they swing and make an out with the bases loaded when it was 3-0. and Well, take the pitch. You told me to take the pitch, coach. That's what I did. I took the pitch. I hit the pitch. So you do need to explain to the youngsters out there that what take the pitch means actually to not swing. Yeah, found that out the hard way. Thank you very much. A little tidbit of information from your friendly coach here. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number. Have you uh, done any coaching in your brief I ha- career? I have not, but that, you know that might be something I need to look into mm-hmm. fairly soon. Yeah, it always. But you, you do work cash. with kids. I do. Yes, I work. You know, at an after school program at North Shore, mm-hmm. and I also work at the summer camp at North Shore. Now, for the listeners in the six other continents and our. 49 other continental states is North Shore, like an underprivileged uh, shelter, home. What is North Shore? North Shore Country Day. It's a, it's a private school. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not close. <laughs> so not exactly for the underprivileged? No, I, okay. would, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> All right, and how young are these kids? Uh, like 3, 4, 5 or uh, 8, 9, 10 or more of the junior high age? Kindergarten through fifth grade. That's not bad. So No, not at all. I prefer, I prefer not, not I prefer, too many of them old enough to uh, start talking back to you. No, definitely, definitely old enough to start talking. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Starting in about third grade now, mm-hmm. kids start talking back. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to sound like an old fuddy duddy here, David Olson. You got young kids. You will find out soon. But the kids today, they are they are not as in awe of adult authority as we used to be. Yeah, my three year old talks back to me. Yeah. And it's like it's like excuse me. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would think I'm not a, a rocket scientist or I'm not a social psychologist, but Mike, I would think it is due to the kids today compared to my generation, a little less. So you're they see more, they hear more, they hear more, right? Definitely, so much more is out there that they're they're a lot more worldly at age ten or eleven than we were. I would have to say so. I have second graders telling me to check out YouTube videos, so. <laughs> When 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 you have that going on, that's that's when Hope, you know. Hopefully, things. not inappropriate YouTube videos. Sometimes second graders. Yes, there's a lovely thought for you. <laughs> there's a comforting thought for all the youngs, moms, and dads out there. Nine year old kids. Too much, too soon, Mike Burrow. 
I I believe so. I mean, like you said, they mm-hmm. hear and see more, so yeah. they're definitely they know a lot more than kids. My my, I ever knew what that is. You go to a uh, local pantry store, Seven Eleven, whatever it might be. The magazines that are on out in the open now, pretty much that was what was behind the counter back when I was growing up, and now it's you know it's right out there for you. Right. right. So when I was growing Waiting up. Waiting at the grocery market, some of the stuff the kids could see. Right. It's just, everything is just out there. It's, yeah. It's, it's right. pretty interesting. Enough <laughs> of the old fuddy-duddy talk here. we got a young kid, Mike Moreau, in the studio, 888-463-6748. You have a unique job situation because you deal, you're working part-time with young kids, but then we talked about it in hour number one of the program. Your other job is uh, working as a doorman. Right. Security, if you will, at a Wrigleyville bar. So that's a nice combo. Going from the young kids to more young kids. True. I definitely would prefer the younger kids, for really? sure. So yeah. you you enjoy the young kids more than, and again, you're not a bouncer. You you work the door. Right. At uh, Redmond's Ale House? Yes. Nice. It's a nice combo. I like that, though. Teacher by day with young kids and work on the door at a Wrigleyville bar. Very, very nice. How are on a non-Cub game, what does the uh, the bar look like? I mean, it, it depends on the night. You know, Monday's good because they have trivia night. Tuesday's mm-hmm. wing night. So, and Wednesday, Thursday, you know, it's hit or miss depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. And then you have your typical weekend crowd, so Friday, Saturday. But then on a Cub home game, completely different atmospheres? I would say it's kind of along the same because it's a little off the strip. Uh-huh. So, you know, people aren't stumbling in the... Okay. Bars blocks away, they stumble in the bars mm-hmm. within the area. And there was recent talk about a guy buying some property in Wrigleyville and maybe putting a hotel in there. And some of the Wrigleyville uh, bar owners and restaurant owners not thrilled with that particular thing. Your thought as a longtime Wrigleyville guy? Yeah, the, there was an article in the paper the other day about the uh, Improv Olympics. The the owner, I believe, I don't, I can't think of the name right now, but. She said her, her, basically, you know, her business is in trouble if this guy is able to buy up the land and, you know, put the hotel in because I believe they would try and knock out, you know, a bunch of buildings and put it up. But I don't, a hotel in Wrigleyville would be good for, it'd make great business, but I don't know if it would particularly be good for the neighborhood. And I don't think the neighborhood wants anything to do with it, really. Well, you hate to mess with, uh, I don't want to say perfection, but you hate to mess with greatness, too. I mean, it's like if you had a, a winning sports team. You don't want to make a major change, I would think not, with a winning sports team. you got a great environment there. you got a you know just a great place to go to, be at a baseball game or not be at a baseball game, and now you're going to uh, change it. Yeah. Uplift it, if you will. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't particularly like the idea. I don't know... It doesn't really fit in Wrigleyville. How mm-hmm. I mean, big, tall buildings don't really fit in that area. Mm-hmm. And like and, you said, and the fear it, is this guy is going to do more than just build the hotel, right? He's going to knock out some of the other property, maybe move some of the other tenants out. So it's it's more than just right. the hotel, right? So he would just, and you would have to believe that you know once you get in, you get greedy, you want a little more because if you get successful, it's one thing. Mm-hmm. Try and branch out some more, and then. I, I, I fully believe that that would happen. 
Mm-hmm. So I would, if I were a resident, I would be one of the people definitely against the idea of putting uh-huh. a hotel in the area. If we got any uh, two guys that are Mike listeners out in the Wrigleyville area, you got thoughts on that? We're uh, more than happy to partake in said discussion. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. The phone number to get to the coach and Double M, Mike Moreau. We're here for another. 27 minutes and 38 seconds, but who's counting? 888-463-6748. Michael, we have not yet gotten to probably the hot topic here in the city of Chicago. It is the NHL playoffs. It's been a, a long time since we've said the hot topic in Chicago in NHL playoffs, but it's right there for you. The Blackhawks win two on the road. You've been watching a lot of Blackhawk hockey. You've become, as I am, a hockey boy here in the city of Chicago. Your thoughts, and are you worried that the Hawk momentum on the road won't carry over to the home ice? You have to be a little bit, but not – you can't be a, in, you know too much because I believe they may have found their stride because I've heard – you know, like some people have said, at home they tend to try and put on a show. You know, they're trying to make the big play, trying to hit – like if it were compared to baseball, trying to hit the home run, but, they you know, they, they're not playing their style. So – if they get if they can get back to that idea of playing their style on the road to where you know you know dump the puck in play patient you know get aggressive i don't believe there's a team i don't believe the sharks can stay with them but if they do try and get back the sharks will take advantage of their turnovers like nashville did like vancouver did in the first game and you know and they'll win some and they'll win some games hopefully not too but it's a possibility if the hawks play the way they have in their first home games to open each series they were outstanding i mean just outstanding the first two games a pleasure to watch even if you're not a hockey fan i mean it was almost like uh, uh, an artist at work painting a beautiful picture of the blackhawks in complete sync their goaltending their defense their passing their penalty killing, their power play. I mean, just played outstanding hockey in San Jose. And you, you made a nice connection there. You don't want to, you're worried a little bit about them coming home, but you also don't want to temper the enthusiasm that, in fact, if the Hawks have gone to that next level, which they certainly did in the first couple of games, you, you don't want to not expect that they can play that way back at home again. And maybe the Hawks have hit that next level and they're just going to roll through some of the other teams. We, it remains to be seen, but boy. Those first two games, Michael, that was that was good stuff to watch. Oh, yeah, they played really well. Niemi has been incredible. You can't say I mean you can't say enough about him. He's played so well in the first game, 44, 45 shots he stopped. Yep. It's unbelievable the seven some of the saves he made, and then in game two he played really well, and then the defense has played well. And also another guy who stepped up is you know Bufflin. He's a guy that's come through huge for them, and now that he's playing a lot better, getting in, you know, agitating people, getting in, a, getting in front of goalies. Big buff. Yeah. Big buff. My partner, Joe Radwanski, by the way, has uh, he had a deal in the last series, and yesterday he continued it on for this one, or, God forbid, if we go to the NHL Finals, the Stanley Cup, in a game-clinching game. If it's a game-clinching game and big buff Dustin Bufflin gets a hat trick, then Joel will come in and do the show in studio in the buff the next day. <laughs> let's let's hope it doesn't get to that no. point. <laughs> so I, there's probably a lot of people that listen to the show that if Buffalo has two goals and a game clinching goal, will probably be hoping that he passes on an attempt to go for the hat trick. 
I'll I'll be one of them. (laughs) He has been outstanding. And you got to credit Joe Keenville because they were looking for different lineups, kind of mixing and matching. And it seems like Mikey's found a connection with uh, Kane and Big Buff playing together. And who's with them? Taves? Taves, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that group has worked particularly outstanding. You know, another guy that people haven't mentioned that's allowed this to kind of happen is Brian Campbell coming back. Mm-hmm. With Brian Campbell coming back, I believe it allows people to, you know, to slide back into their normal slots. So, so he's another guy that, I mean, whether or not he's played very well, but just him being back in the lineup allows people to be yep. where they are. So, and like, and then the, which allowed, you know, Quenville to move Bufflin up to that first line with Kane and Taze. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it has, and since it's since it's gone that route, it's changed. They have, the Blackhawks have definitely changed the way they've played. Yeah, he had the uh, shoulder separation uh, about a month, maybe five or six weeks before the regular season ended. Fortunately, he's back, Brian Campbell. If you look at his contract, you, you know, you're probably going to say, well, wait a minute. This guy should be doing a lot better. He's being paid like a superstar. He is not playing like a superstar. So if you look at the contract, you're right. If you forget about the money and just look at what Brian Campbell is doing, he's come back and he's been solid. Nothing spectacular. He's not even, since the injury, those famous rushes he did up ice, some of his more offensive moves, he's been a little more conservative. Right. But but solid. And again, forget the contract, which some people can and some people can't. You are exactly right. He has solidified and allowed some of those uh, defensive players to reach their proper level of competence. True, and that's true. And, and, and there's also, you know, the other guys, Bolin, Brewer, Eager, yep. guys that, you know, and Brewer, guys that have not played too often, but if, when they've come in, they've been productive and helped the Hawks win some games. So these are these are guys that, you know, besides the superstars that you can't forget. Yeah, the Hawk team depth, I think. And, again, I've not been a hockey expert during the regular season. I've probably watched two or three games, but I have become an expert here during the Stanley Cup, Mike. Self-proclaimed. I got an actual T-shirt that says hockey expert, given to me by our producer, David Olson. He even signed it. I might sell it on eBay. Who knows how much I'll get? But as the self-proclaimed expert here on hockey on the talk zone, I will say the team depth, correct me if I'm wrong, Oh, the Blackhawk, better than any of the other uh, three teams competing. They got guys on lines three. lines. They got guys that aren't even starting. Like a Thomas Kopetny, who had a couple of good games. So their team depth, overall depth, maybe the best in the playoffs. Well, I would have to, I would have to agree with that. And they're definitely, you can see their first, you know, first period, the Sharks will come out strong. But in the second and third periods of each game, it seemed to wear down the Sharks a little bit. So, cause the Hawks are, you know, they're throwing guys out there. They're getting the changes they want to and they're getting the matchups line versus line. Which, you know, makes it easier for the Hawks to play. And, you know, with that depth, when you can play a lot of guys, and when you can rest guys and, you know, maybe play, bring in a guy that hasn't played in a couple of games, it's going to be a huge advantage for you. I am uh, very, very appreciative of the fact that the Van, which, the Sedins play for Vancouver or Nashville? Vancouver. Okay. I'm very glad the Vancouver series is over because I'd had recurring nightmares. Where I'd wake up uh, in the middle of the night, look over at my wife, and she looked a lot like Henrik Sedin. So thank goodness that series is over. Was his brother around? Because they always seem to be paired together. A couple of times they were. It was an interesting combination. Every time she'd turn over, she'd look like the other Sedin. It's funny, if, you've watched, if you watch a couple of the games on uh, Comcast, Pat Foley, anytime one of the Sedins got the puck, would be like, where's the other one? Where's the <laughs> other one? 
Because, you know, they're always looking for each other. Yes. So it's yeah. really very interesting. You no, know, they're very, very good. They were they were fun to watch, and they do, like, only twin brother identical? I think identical. I would I think so. Like, only identical twins could be. They had a feel for where each guy would be beyond uh, any two teammates you see, I think, in NHL hockey now. True. It's kind of scary because basically they, sometimes they'll just make no-look passes, mm-hmm. and they'll know where the other guy's going to be. I mean, you'd, you'd love to have that connection, but you're also playing a team game. All right, here come the Hawks, the mighty flying Hawks. San Jose is going to give them their best shot. You could be sure of that off tonight. So a long break. They'll be well-rested back at home tomorrow night. Mike, with all your press credentials, with all your connections, any chance you have found a way to get Tiki Tiki for United Center? Uh, no. That would be awesome, though. If anyone's listening... You know, Unbelievable. Give me some seats. <laughs> even after you mentioned you were co-hosting on the talk zone, you couldn't swing a ticket. Nah, even, they probably told me to stay further away. <laughs> I'll see what influence I can pull. In the meantime, if you need a ticket to the Chicago Sky game Saturday at the United Center, I think I could swing that for you. I probably, I, could, I, am, I think I could get some. I'm a big shooter at the Sky games. Too. WNBA, no, you know, I can walk. I can walk around proudly around the stadium. True. When it comes to actual Major League Baseball or hockey. Not quite the same. All right, but I'll swing you a ticket. Uh, 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open. We're talking a little NHL hockey. The Chicago Blackhawk here in the uh, city of Chicago. There's a couple other stories going on. One, including the team we might be playing in a week or so, Mike, the Philadelphia Flyers. They have come out of nowhere, beaten everybody. They've uh, uh, pounded the Montreal Canadiens, and the Canadiens were kind of a Cinderella story unto themselves. But right now it looks like the Canadian Cinderella slipper has gone solid goal. I mean, we'll see. You, they're back at home now, so and playing up. I, I I forget what they're. I think it's the Bell Center in Montreal. Sounds good. Um, playing up there is very tough for teams, and they played very well up there during the playoffs. So you have to give them and Halak a chance, you know, mm-hmm. to bounce back. I would say Halak is their goalie. Yes, I would say if I, if I had to pick a team that would have a better chance of coming back. Between the Sharks and the Canadians, I'd go with the Canadians. Okay. Because, you, know, you know, the Flyers are hot, but the Canadians ba- have battled mm-hmm. all series. You and, know. They've, and they've been behind before, so it's not like they're going to panic. Right. Down so, 2-0. They're the number eight seed in the playoffs, so they're, they're used to playing that underdog role. Yeah, so they've been playing, well, the Flyers, and these are two teams that have basically, basically been fighting for their playoff lives the mm-hmm. whole season. The Flyers got in on a shootout at the end of the year. Yeah, the final game. Right. I think this is something that a lot of people have forgotten about. So they they jumped up to the seventh seed because they won that shootout. So so they barely. I mean, as close as close as you can possibly come to not even making the playoffs. Right. And not only the final game, they had to go to a shootout in the final game, and I think it went down to like the final save. I still remember the picture I, of the Flyers goalie, who, by the way, is no longer the Flyers goalie. Right. The guy that was the back, well, not backup, but injured at the time, has stepped in, part of the weird story. But he made a save, and I still remember the whole Philadelphia team celebrating that they had made the playoffs. Right. They, I think it was, I think it, yeah, I think it was a one nothing shootout victory. And now they're two games away from the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. Everybody thought, oh, this is a nice story. The Flyers got in the playoffs. You know, how cute for them. The Philadelphia fans will be able to watch the Series 1. And now uh, we're not that far away from watching the Red Hot Flyer take on our Chicago Blackhawks. Could be a good, if it comes down to that. If it comes down to that, Could be right. good. It could be. 
I would, but I would hope that the Hawks would be able to, I can't say shut them down, but basically handle them, but you can't say that because in hockey, you know, as you've seen through the East, even the Eastern Conference, Stanley, Eastern Conference, you know, playoffs, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't predict anything. You have the seven, seven and eight seed playing for the Stanley Cup final. The way the Hawks were playing, I almost would have rather had them play like the next day. You know, it's nice to say they got a couple days rest, but that might hurt the Hawks because they were playing at such a high level. The question that will be answered at 7 o'clock tomorrow at the United Center is, can they keep that dominance going? Because if they play like they did out in San Jose, I don't care how good the Sharks play. Hawks are going to beat them. The question is, can they continue that high level, or is the layoff going to make them a little rusty? You know, that's what, that was a, t- a lot of the talk with the Sharks because, you know, they had a long layoff between yeah. – Playing their first game against the Blackhawks and you know winning their last game against the Wings, and their coach even said it before the series started. You know he goes, you know it's a fine line we're walking, but you know we'll have to see when we get out and actually play. Mm-hmm. And I, you know it doesn't look like they've been rusty. It just looks like the Blackhawks have outplayed them. So, you know the rest, like you said, is a good and the bad thing. Mm-hmm. Ah, right, gonna be fun to watch. We'll uh, preview that game tomorrow again on. Uh Friday's show. Don't forget to tune in from 10 to 11. TalkZone.com. Again, phone lines open here. 888 Real quick, Mike, only a few minutes left. Again, Mike Moreau, proud uh, graduate of North Shore Country Day High School. Fought his way out of the tough streets of Winnetka to achieve great success here on the Two Guys and a Mike Show. Also, Nan, I want to bring up your collegiate institution, a topic we haven't uh, talked about much on this show, and that is the expansion of the Big Ten Conference, you went to the University of Missouri, and your school is at the forefront of schools mentioned heading to the Big Ten. So have you, do you have any insights from your people? And uh, as a Missouri grad, your thoughts, up, down, or somewhere in the vast in-between? Uh, right now I'm in the, like you said, in the vast in-between. There's a lot of benefits. The money, you know, academically there would be a lot of benefits. But... There's also the downside uh, that people may not think about, which is recruiting. Missouri, and I read in a good, I read an interesting article yesterday about Missouri and Texas. Missouri has a lot of Texas players on their roster, and they found they've been able to find guys like Chase Daniel, Sean Weatherspoon, and Ziggy Hood, who are all all NFL players now. But you know, the mindset would be. If they go to the Big Ten, would they be able to recruit Texas? And I'm in the, I'm among the people that don't think they would be able to. But the the article also mentioned, you know, since they've been able to unearth some, you know, unknown gems, you know, like they have in the past, that might allow them to continue to recruit Texas. But it would be very tough because most of the players who come out of college from Texas, tend to stay in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And the article said, you know, in a few years, kids kids have short-term memories. So in a few years, kids are going to forget that Missouri was ever in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at all kinds of sides of things. And also with the Big 12 and their TV, con- they don't have a TV contract and revenue sharing. So there's a lot of issues that Missouri... Missouri, I think, basically just wants to get their piece. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Big 12 will ever, I mean, hopefully they agree at some point to 
some e- some more a lot you know equal revenue sharing, which basically what this whole issue comes down to is money. And in the end, that's what college sports is all about. Yeah, let me ask you. Alluded to the TV deal, and uh, I'll throw this out to our media expert David Olson. Also, I keep hearing how profitable this Big Ten network has been, and that's one of the draws. And the teams are getting so much money from the Big Ten network now. Without going through all the minutia, I have a pretty simple question. If it's that successful, why is there not a Big 12 network? If it works in the Big 10, going to work in the Big 12, and in a couple of years, their teams could be talking about a windfill of money, too. So if it's, uh, there's, I mean, there's nothing like that magical about the Big 10 network. If it's been successful, why isn't the Big 12 doing it? It, it goes back to revenue sharing. The Big 12 is a conference that's never agreed on equal revenue sharing. So what does that have to do with the TV contract? Money, because the Big well, they're ten, not going to turn down. If, if, well, if, if hey, right now you're getting no money because we have no network. Hey, let's form a network and everybody's going to get three million dollars. That's kind of a no-brainer. Right, but then they have to agree on the share they get from the network, and it's it's just something that as a con conferences have to work out. As a conference, it's not something that one team can start, which is why Jim Delaney and the Big Ten have been able to do it because they've agreed that this is something that will work and they all get an equal share. Mm -hmm. So you don't hear very many teams in the Big Ten, you know, piping up about, you know, where's my share? Indiana never complains. They're terrible, but... Well, As an institution, they're getting money. They're terrible now, but for many years in basketball, they were the number one draw. So you're saying the Big 12 could form a network, and Oklahoma and Texas are going to say no because more people are watching us on football. We should take in $8 million, and Kansas State, you should only get $1 million. Essentially. Eesh. I mean, Texas is probably the big, the big, the main, would be the main opponent of it. Yeah, because That would fall th- into the category of greedy and conceited. Anybody out in the Texas area, dial in 888-463-674. It sounds like greed and conceit to me, David Olson. Well, I'm just going to expand a little bit on what Mike said earlier. Careful how you expand here. With the, uh, with the people that are in the big 12, uh, 12 states tend to stay in the big 12, yeah. uh, I think the big 12's fan base is more localized, whereas the big 10 fan base okay. is nationwide. That's a good point. And that's why it's been successful because, you know, you got these pockets of like Illinois grads, for example. Like, and I know this because uh, from the Illini show, huge following out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You got all these Illini grads out there living in Arizona now. So you've got these, you got these alumni pockets na- nationwide of schools like Illinois and Northwestern and Michigan and Michigan State. So the, uh, the, this network has a nationwide fan base built mm-hmm. in that they really didn't realize it was there going into it. But okay. then when they were able to make that uh, make those deals with, say, Comcast and DirecTV to get it nationwide, they were astounded at the ratings, and that uh, that's partially yeah. because of the yeah. success. Great so. clarification. Mm-hmm. Anytime you want to expound uh, on our expansions here, you can do that. It makes sense. Right. It makes sense that the Big 12. And that's also why now they're looking to – Going to New York or come even Missouri, you know, is a, a border state, but expanding to St. Louis because mm-hmm. they get, I think it's something like 70, per, 70 cents per sub, subscriber. So if they expand into all these areas, mm-hmm. you know, the, it just, the money increases exponentially.
What's interesting is it could, if Missouri, if your beloved uh, academic institution, and we do have one of our assistant producers trying to uh, check on your academic records, by the way, and some of your behavior things. We haven't uncovered anything just yet, but uh, by the show, the time by the time the show is over, Mike, we might have some information for you. If your parents are listening, this might be a good time to tune in the jazz station WNUA. But if Missouri does in fact go to the Big Ten. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Big Ten would then have 12 teams, and the Big 12 would have 11 teams. Kind of odd. But once that happens, there'll be there'll be there'll be a lot more movement than but people you, think. You can't change the names, right? The Big Ten, even if it has 12 teams, there's some the the, the the name goes beyond the number of teams. The Big Ten is a marketable commodity as a name. Right, but there's talks the Big Ten wants to go to 14 or 16, so. But they're not going to change the name, are they? To the Big 14? I, you know, that's a question I don't think has been brought up, but I believe they probably, as traditional as the Big Ten is, I believe they would just stick with the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. All right. More importantly, if we, uh, did have an assistant producer digging into your academic records, anything we could find at Missouri, how did we do over there? Any, uh, any dirt you care to reveal? On the airwaves here are two guys in a mic. Remember, our ratings are down. We need all the help we can get. Feel free to say something that could be uh, shown on Larry King tonight. <laughs> I, no, definitely not. I don't have any drama, <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> well, make something up. Come on. No. Nothing uh, overall, though, you're very happy with being there. Very happy, yeah. Four years? Four years. Mm-hmm. Got out of there in four years. I was happy. Columbia is a great town. I go back. For homecoming, or at least I try to go back for homecoming. Did you go game. to uh, one, one of my, uh, you know, I keep a list of top ten sports dreams that I want to attend. Right, excuse me, right there in the top ten is uh, going to a Missouri-Illinois border war football and or basketball game. Did you attend some of those? If so, what were they like? I went to the football game, and it was definitely a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, it was a lot more fun because, you know, Missouri's on the winning side. <laughs> but it's always, it's always an interesting experience to go see, you know, two teams that, you know, traditional rivals play at a neutral site because you get a mix of each fan base. Mm-hmm. So you see the orange on one side and you see the black and gold on another. And it's good. They're fun games, you know, interactive crowds. So it's not just like one side cheering for the other. You, you know, you'll hear two different cheers. So. Different atmosphere. Right. It's definitely. What about is. like tailgating? Did you have mixed tailgating at some of those I didn't, games? At the game I went to, I didn't get down there enough. Okay. To tailgate because I didn't spend the night before in St. Louis like some people mm-hmm. did, but yeah, it would probably be I could see it be mixed because especially if you're from Southern Illinois, <coughs> you know you may have gone gone to Missouri, but right. you have a lot of family that goes to Illinois, mm-hmm. so there definitely is probably a little bit of a mix. And it's cool too, huh? Especially in basketball, but even in football, where the you mentioned the color on one side, what the Missouri fans were red or black? Black and gold. Black and gold. And the uh, Fighting Illini fans wearing their orange, typically. And, I mean, when you watch the game, it's split right down the middle. I mean, like, literally, you know, all the orange on basketball, one side of the court, all the black and gold on the other side of the court. It's, a, it's kind of a cool thing to see. But they got it divided, like, exactly in half. I think that's the same way for football. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, usually it ends up with one side having probably, usually sometimes having more tickets than the other. Mm-hmm. But they try their best to split it. Favorite teacher? Favorite professor? Uh, I would have to say Greeley Kyle. He uh, definitely shaped shaped every journalism student that's gone to the University of Missouri. Cool. One of those veteran older guys or a young 
rebellious uh, young professor. He's a veteran, veteran older guy. Greeley Kyle. Yes. All right. Well, you make sure you contact Greeley Kyle. Let him know you were on the show today, and you can get archives of our show, folks. Anything. You want to go back a couple of shows ago, a couple of weeks ago, see how bad all of our predictions were, you can check it out on the uh, TalkZone.com website or the TwoGuysMike.com website. So make sure Greeley Kyle hears about this show. I have to let him know. He'll be very proud of one of his protégés. Mike, you thank you so much. Now, you might come in tomorrow. Yeah, possibly. Wow. Wow. Two days in a row? It'll be fun. Very few co-hosts are willing to do that with me. So if you do, I appreciate it, and I promise tomorrow I will shower. <laughs> right. Thanks thank- for having me. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for being ahead. David Olson, our producer, great job. We'll be back tomorrow. One hour only, 10 to 11 o'clock. Don't be late. We'll preview Hawk San Jose, and we'll be talking about Cubs five in a row. Let's hope.